I want to review again where we have been. 1 Thessalonians is Paul's love letter, as it were, to the brethren back in Thessalonica. He had started the church there over and over again. In fact, 17 times in this book you find Paul using the word brethren or brother. The local church, you see, is a brotherhood. Many churches have a brotherhood in the church, but uh, this is not, strictly speaking, correct. The entire church is a brotherhood. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord because we belong to the same family. Now, chapter 1, 2, and 3, the Apostle Paul looks back and he remembers. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are personal, and you can title these three chapters, We Give Thanks Remembering. Chapters 4 and 5 are practical, and Paul is exhorting them to walk in the right kind of a Christian life. Now, chapter 1 tells us how the church was born. Chapter 2, how the church was nurtured. And chapter 3, how the church was established or stabilized. Now, once the church has been born, that's chapter 1, and nurtured, chapter 2, and stabilized, chapter 3, then the church can walk. And chapters 4 and 5 give us the emphasis on the Christian walk. Now, chapter 1 begins with the uh, title, the greeting, Paul and Silas and Timothy under the church of the Thessalonians. And we notice the three little prepositions, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you. And I've asked you to mark in your Bibles those little prepositions, in, from, and to. A Christian is someone who is in God. A Christian is someone who has received blessing from God. And a Christian is one who gives something back to God. The Thessalonians were in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now suppose this verse read in 1 Thessalonians 1.1, 1, 1, in God the Father and in Jeremiah the prophet. You'd say, no, that doesn't sound right. Or in God the Father and in the apostle Peter. You'd say, no, that can't be right either. Why does he join the name of Jesus Christ with God? Because Jesus Christ is God. You'll notice here, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you are in God, because God and Christ uh, are united. They are God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And so God the Father and God the Son, through God the Holy Spirit, is the way Paul presents it. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are in God the Father and in his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, since we are in God the Father, we can receive something from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Grace is one of the great words of the Bible. There's a difference between God's grace and God's mercy. It's interesting that when Paul writes to Timothy and Titus, who were pastors, he doesn't just simply say grace and peace. He says grace, mercy, and peace. A friend of mine suggests that pastors need more mercy than anybody else, and perhaps this is true. God in his grace gives me what I don't deserve, and God in his mercy does not give me what I do deserve. Now let that sink in. If you're a Christian today, God in his grace has given you what you don't deserve, and God in his mercy does not give you what you do deserve. And so we are in God, and we receive blessings from God, and in return we give thanks to God. What have you given back to God lately? 
You know, friend of mine, you can't give anything back to God but that he has first given it to you. He's given you your life. Give it back to him. He's given you your body. Present your body to him as a living sacrifice. It's one thing to be in God and to receive blessings from God, but too many Christians have not moved into verse 2, giving anything back to God. Selfishness and Christianity ought never to go together. You recall when Jesus healed those ten lepers. Ten men healed at one time. And nine of them turned away and left, and one came back to give him thanks. That's about the percentage today. That's about the proportion today. You know, in local churches, it's so easy for Christians to complain and gripe. It's too cold or it's too hot. The choir sings too fast or too slow. The preacher preaches too long or too short. There's always something to complain about. Now, if you want to be miserable, just look for things to complain about. But if you want to be happy, look for things to thank God for. In the morning when you wake up, just begin by being thankful. In everything give thanks, says the word of God. Now, Paul tells us why he's thankful. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. And now Paul's going to tell us about how this church was born. In verses 1 through 5, we're told that the church was an elect group. Notice, please. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. So in verses 1 through 5, we are told that the church is an elect group. In verses 6 and 7, they were an exemplary group. He says in verse 7, you were examples to all that believe. And in verse 8, they were an enthusiastic group, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord. And then in verses 9 and 10, they were an expectant group, waiting for his son from heaven. These are the four characteristics of the church at Thessalonica. Now, these ought to be the characteristics of every local church. I believe in the local church. I've said on previous occasions uh, that there, we live in an age that doesn't believe in the local church. People want to belong to all kinds of extra church organizations. All of us get mail that says this organization and that organization support it because we're doing the work the church is not doing. I don't believe that for one minute. I know there are many churches that are not doing all they ought to do. But with all of its weaknesses and faults, the local church is God's agency for accomplishing his will in this world. Wherever the Apostle Paul went... He started churches. He organized local churches. He was writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica. Now, it's interesting that the word church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia. Our uh, English word ecclesiastical comes from this Greek word. An ecclesiastic is a church man, one related to the church. Ecclesiastical means related to the church. Uh, there are ecclesiastical furniture companies. They make furniture for churches. Uh, I saw a sign one day in a city that said ecclesiastical tailor. Here was a man who made garments, robes, and special uh, clothing for clergymen. Now, the word ecclesia is com it comes from two Greek words that means to call out. The word elect and election come from ecclesia, to call out. So the church is an elect group, that is, the church is a called-out group. Now, 
some people run away from this word election, and you shouldn't. It's all the way through the Bible. Uh, Abraham was called out by God to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to Canaan land. The Jews were called out from Egypt and called out from among the nations to be a separate and distinct nation. Jesus called out his apostles to follow him. The church is a called out group. Now you can apply this word calling to the local church in many respects. We are called out. The word ecclesia means a called out group. We are also called together. We aren't just separated from the world. We are also joined to one another. I have very little confidence in a Christian who is not associated with a local church. Now, I've met these freelancers. I've done enough visitation during my ministry to know how some of these people are. The church isn't spiritual enough for them. The preacher is not intellectual enough for them. The music is not stirring enough for them. And so they stay home and they go to church by way of radio. Now, I thank God for the ministry of radio. I thank God for the opportunity we have to broadcast on this station and other stations. But you know, your radio is no substitute for the fellowship in the local church. We are called out, but we are also called together. In Acts chapter 2, it says that they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. We are also called forth. Uh, it says so down here in verse 6, that they received the word of God. Verse 7, they became examples. Verse 8, they became soul winners. From them the word of God was sounded out. We are called out we are called together. We are also called forth to go out into this world and witness for Christ. Have you lately told someone else what Jesus has done for you? The trouble with our churches today is that too many of them have this attitude. Well, we have hired the preacher, and therefore we'll pay the bill, and he can go out and do the work. And we'll be the cheerleaders. And the average Christian, the average church member today is a spiritual cheerleader. He comes and sits in the pews and says, Amen. He drops in his offering and says, Preacher, go to it. You do the job. We'll do the cheering. Now, not so with these people. They were called forth to serve the Lord. Finally, we are going to be called up someday. That's right. One of these days, we're going to hear the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel, and we're going to be called up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, this word calling is going to be an important word. We're going to spend more time on it. Now, for what is he thankful? Well, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. That's a good way to be, prayerful and thankful. Now, if you separate thanksgiving from your praying, you won't really pray. Uh, Paul says, uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Philippians chapter 4. Do you thank God when you pray? What are they, what's he thankful for? Remembering, and he uses this word several times, Verses, uh, verse 9 of chapter 2, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail, chapter 3, verse 6, uh, that ye have good remembrance of us, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a description of what happens to people who are called out, the elect. Let's talk for just a little while now about this matter of election. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. The meaning of the word. The word means to be called out. If you're saved today, you have been called out. The word ecclesia, translated church, means a called out company. I pointed out to you in a previous lesson that in verse 1 of this chapter, 
the Thessalonian Christians had two addresses. They had a geographical address at Thessalonica, and they had a spiritual address in Jesus Christ, in God the Father. Now, if you are a saved person, you are among the elect. You are a part of God's chosen people. He has a chosen nation, a chosen people, a special people in this day and age. In Acts chapter 15, the first church council came to the conclusion that God today is calling out a people for his name. Now, that's the job of the church. The meaning of election, a called out people. This means we're separate from the rest of the world. Now, I want you to turn, if you will, please, to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. In John, chapter 17, Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, spells out the meaning of being called out. In verse 11, he says, And now I am no more in the world, but these, my disciples, are in the world. So Christians are in the world physically. We are in the world geographically. Look, please, in verse 14 of John 17. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world. So we are in the world, verse 11, but not of the world spiritually. Now in verse 15, he says, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world. We're not supposed to crawl in a cave someplace or up in some monastery or some hideaway. We're not to be called out of this world, but we are to be sent into the world, verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. So we are an elect people called out, called together, called forth, and thank God one day we shall be called up. Now, election worries some people, so in our next lesson, the Lord willing, we're going to talk about the method of election. We've seen the meaning of election, and now we're going to see the method of election. So you be with us the next time we broadcast, and you tune in and have your Bible open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, that we might together find out what is the good word. This is Pastor Warren Wiersbe of the Calvary Baptist Church in Covington, Kentucky, thanking you for listening and trusting that you'll be listening again when we open the Word of God and study together.